All right, so hello everyone and welcome to another episode, actually a new episode for our uh, podcast series that is entitled uh, The Global Village and Our Smartphone. So this is part of a podcast discussion series for my subject, particularly on global media culture. And for this special episode, we will be talking about a specific topic, particularly on Uh, homogenization and heterogenization of cultures reflected on media. And for today, I am accompanied by uh, uh, my students regarding the subject. So we they are here to to grace or to share us their expertise regarding the subject matter and tell us more about what we need to know or what we should uh, learn about media culture and the influence of homogenization or heterogenization of various forms of media. So without further ado, let's uh, let's pass the mic to one of our presenters. So thank you, Mr. Lenov. Hey, what's up guys? My name is Francella and I am one of Mr. Lenov's students. Hi guys, I'm Tracy and I am also one of the students of Sir Lenov. Hello, good afternoon everyone. I'm Lawrence and for this afternoon we'll be talking about homogenization and heterogenization through media. There is no mistake that technology and media plays a large role in the evolution of millennial population. Regardless to the negative connotation that the title itself has, it comes to no surprise that technology has influenced many cultures through media and even pop culture, especially among us, the youth. According to a Valerie Burset Price, a writer for Huffington Post, she states that for millennials, two things are happening simultaneously. Number one, we have the culture is impacting technology and technology is impacting culture. Now at this point, there's a global component as these young adults share similar life experiences. Like for example, our musical taste, food, and even entertainment. These global phenomenon are just like examples that are visible in the Philippines and can be seen through their television, either music, fashion, and icons. Today, we're going to discuss the most prominent cultures that are relevant today in the Philippines. Yes, that's very right, Lawrence. Even I personally take part in pop culture. Little do we know we're participants in this, let's call this a global phenomenon. But the real question is, does global media cause homogenization or heterogenization? By homogenization, it means the globe is centered on a single cultural standard, while heterogenization talks about a multicultural society. In this podcast, we will talk about the three most influential pop culture in the Philippines, namely Hollywood, Japanese pop, and Korean wave. But before that, let me ask Mr. Lenoff a question. How do you think globalized media earned its prominence in the first place, especially in the contemporary world? Okay, I was not prepared for that question. <laughs> so, okay, how we're... do you think? <laughs> um... <laughs> again, what's the question again, Miss Francella? <laughs> uh, how do you think globalized media or pop culture earned its prominence in the first place, especially in the contemporary world? Oh, very good question. So how did uh, like pop culture or global media as a, a form of entertainment or 
a form of uh, uh, soft power indoctrination, uh, particularly as a, as a as a scholar, rather not really a scholar, but an enthusiast of international relations. Uh, and there are two answers I could really give yeah. you. I could really give you uh, as an enthusiast yeah. of IR. I would really think this is one of the strongest points of post Cold War uh, influence or soft power initiatives that is done by the West because they realize that uh, upon the competing powers during the Cold War, it's not really in a matter of of military or hard power that could gain influence or can gain support in the West uh, in the rest of the world, especially in in the case of uh, South South Asian or East Asian countries where they were simply rather audiences between or uh, spectators during the Cold War as they witnessed the ascent of military prowess between USSR and the United States. So and then it was one of the one of the believe uh, one of the well thought points that would uh, ascent for their uh, international dominance in the in the system. But that was not really the case upon reaching the end where the world was watching closely with the ascent of these two polar powers or polar opposites that they don't really want to follow a, a very militarized homoge- uh, uh, militarized how do you call that uh, I forgot that term uh, uh, hegemonic <laughs> power okay uh, hegemonic power so instead they were swayed by what we call as the as the the fusion of technology into their cultures, which a lot of these technologies were delivered itself by the West. So it's one of the biggest manifestations of of soft power influences, where it's not really, of course, you might say hard power in terms of machinery, but it's how it's used by these countries, for example, in how these countries develop in terms of uh, uh like the cases in Japan where they, they embraced certain products that are conceptualized by the West and gave their own improvements. So it's the sort of Asian, Asian Western fusion in terms of technology really shaped our impression of, of the West. And instead of supporting a, a very uh, a communist society, we ended up into this reality right now where, where a lot of the people, even up until today, still view that the capitalist system as appealing although it's still debatable right now but what on the other perspective of things and as uh, as a person of the world i would also view it as as how it impacts us in a in a globalized setting is something that i could really appreciate on because most of the things in fact all of the things i enjoy is a product of pop culture and it is delivered by global media so as a person of the world well it's not <laughs> It's really difficult to imagine a world that is not a world today that is not uh, uh, influenced or impacted by global media or something like that. Um, sir, thank you so much for that very elaborate. Yeah. I'm sorry if it's a very <laughs> no. long question. No, answer. it is okay. But sir, you know what? You technically just summarized our conclusion for this podcast, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, you mentioned about technology. That is very correct. Um, 
Actually, Tracy and Lau were just talking about the evolution of technological mediums here in the Philippines and the role it played in the prominence of foreign pop culture influences. So, Tracy and Lau, care to share your knowledge about um, this topic? So, hi. Again, I'm Tracy. So, and I'll... I know a lot of us are influenced by pop culture through different medias and today I will be sharing some of the few that I'm sure everyone is very familiar of. So the first one that I will be sharing is TV cable, so cable television. So it is a system of broadcasting television programming to private subscribers by means of coatial cable. So in the Philippine context, watching television has been part of our daily routine most of the Philippines. Most of the Filipino families, even now and in the past. So a lot of popular television channels are aimed to show the general audience about various topics, which is also why other cultures are being introduced in the country, from reality shows, cooking shows, movies, and a whole lot more. So an example of how foreign culture is highlighted on television is through broadcasting stations such as HBO which focuses more on international movies and series, Mix and MTV which I am a fan of ever since I was young are music channels that caters to the most popular music music spreading globally and Hero Movie it is a famous TV channel here in the Philippines where an anime is shown. So another example of a technological mediums are streaming dev- streaming medias. Um, the very popular ones are YouTube and Netflix. So tr- streaming refers to any media content, live or live or recorded, delivered to computers and mobile devices via the internet and played in real real time. Podcasts. This is an example of a streaming media. Yeah. Webcasts, movies, TV shows, and music videos are common forms of streaming content. Nowadays, the most popular streaming sites are YouTube and Netflix. I'm sure you use this because I use this on a daily basis. So YouTube is a video sharing service that allows users to watch posted videos by other users and upload them on their own. Also, Netflix is a subscription-based streaming service that allows our members to watch TV shows, movies without commercials on an internet device. So the two streaming sites that I mentioned are considered to be a medium in which various cultures are being introduced due to the fact that these media platforms are known globally which can easily be accessed no matter what no matter where you are in the world. So I am sure you are very familiar with the Netflix they have their own genres from Asian to Hollywood movies. Am I right? Yeah, or? especially on international movies also. It's a really good medium yeah. to, to even access. like even Filipino movies are already available in Netflix. So I guess that is a very good medium for culture to be to be shared. Have, yeah, to be shared in the, yeah. the whole world. So Lao, do you have anything to add? I think there are a lot of technological mediums that I'm sure everyone knows. Yes, Tracy. So before proceeding to another example of our technological medium, um, I'd like to ask you a question for this one. How often do you use your social media every day? Do you use it for fun, for business, or for entertainment? Well, ideas such as these are a 
are just one of the basic examples that we have shared in common. Like me who uses social media, it allows me to broaden my horizon about the world. With social media also has given the ability to instantly connect us with others and share their lives through their photos, their videos, and status updates. Like us, we describe this platform as a key tool for connecting and maintaining relationships, being creative, and learning more about the world. But what social media really is? The digital revolution may have happened so rapidly that the deep-seated and profound influence it has in the various facets of society that cannot be evenly attached with and the thing is just only getting started social media is described by oxford as websites and apps that allows users to create and share content or participate in social networking this include to name only a few which we have like facebook whatsapp wechat tumblr viber skype Snapchat, Pinterest, MySpace, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. And if you live under a rock, you've either used one of this or have at least come across one. We are social also announced that 76 million Filipinos are users of social media, which is a massive like around 71% of the country or the entire population. The data also notes that on various social media sites, Filipinos spend an average of four hours a day in order to get breaking news and keep up with the latest updates. Filipinos often use the internet as to-go spot. It plays a very important role in fostering people's social engagement, and it has been used as a forum to support and encourage activism. And we also have DVDs. So watching movies can be a fun activity when we feel bored at home, I'm sure. When you feel bored at home, you watch um, movies. So DVDs are example of um, technological medium. Though I'm not really into watching movies, still DVD for me plays a significant role in global media. But what a DVD is? A DVD or DVD ROM short for digital flexible disc or digital video disc is a DVD that can contain a large amount of more data than a regular compact disc. DVDs are commonly used for movies and other data storage and display. Now in 1993, there were two video disc formats being developed. We have the MMCD are what we call the multimedia compact disc and the SD or the super density disc. To avoid a video format war, Philips and Sony, the backers of the MMCD, decided to partner with SD or disc compo- proponents like Itachi, JVC, Mitsubishi, Pioneer, and Toshiba. Together, the Unified Industry Group developed and agreed upon the DVD digital video format. And like, like what I've said, DVD sales and usage are dwindling in popularity with the advent of more recent technologies like the Blu-ray disc and streaming services like Netflix and Hulu. As more people get blurry, players are using, using um, streaming services and it's coming obsolete as of this time. So, all right. So, I think that would be um, that would be the examples of like technological mediums that are prevalent today. I see. So, uh, one of the dominant features right now, 
are, are would you still consider like the as you mentioned like cds and all those materials relevant into today's media yeah they're still around sir however um the audience is not really um this is just a personal observation but it's not really abundant in our age but maybe to other ages like example older people maybe i see yeah that's very interesting yeah. to know <laughs> well i think i believe I some of the people still buy dvds at local uh <laughs> illegal markets right yeah <laughs> i still see people who sell cds <laughs> in fact like if you look at facebook where there is a marketplace a lot of people there's also very interesting to note that even in in uh in the market we have embraced the the, the advantages of of technology in terms of how we can uh, do our businesses on social media. A good example of it is uh, is the marketplace at Facebook. And a very peculiar experience I had is that those people who were uh, uh, the the piracy industry was very booming. I think ten years or or more than ten years ago in the in the third world countries because it's the it's the easiest way to access Hollywood films without paying for the premium price, regardless of the quality of the video, right? I'm sure you had your fair share of, of watching uh, 12-in-1 movies or in one CD in your in your childhood times. It's, yeah, a, very sure. common, it's a very common experience. And, and it, 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 for me, it really talks about how, how thirsty or how, 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 how much we are craving for content that is that is given by the global media, wherein our, our sources of medium that time was merely on television. In fact, cable was more of a luxurious uh, item, so we resorted to piracy. And it's still, it's still, piracy is still relevant today, especially when you look up in Facebook uh, marketplaces. For those who don't really want to subscribe on Netflix or, or download Torrent, a lot of people are selling even uh, pirated versions of of movies and the marketplace so they will just send them files well in fact there are other ways to get it free but it's it really shows how how willing these uh, how willing uh, people especially filipinos are in accessing these forms of media it's it's a very really interesting thing to note that for, uh, you don't really want uh, you don't really need to force people to enjoy your uh, enjoy or to be to be indoctrinated by a certain culture you just have to showcase it to them in a very entertaining light uh, that's something i would really want to share lang. so you can continue with your with your talk so by the way uh, i have also a question so since we you're preparing for the next topic so uh i would also want to ask so in terms of the the spreading or the the polarities of the sources of media so I've noticed uh, Hollywood films were were the star of of entertainment. Yeah, around around twenty to to thirty years ago, way back, ever since post Cold War, it's always been Hollywood. But how about today? What can you say about uh, the polarities of of media influences? Are we starting to to witness a sort of multipolarities of media, or are we still back in the western uh, in fact it's u.s uh unipolar influence in terms of media entertainment yeah, any one of you can answer the question 
Um, before I answer the question, does anyone, does Lau and Crazy want to answer instead? Um, for me, I think um, a lot of us right now are being open to more cultures, Gali, and then yeah, yeah, I agree. From, I think it is a very crucial, I know, I know, shift from Western culture to East Asian like pop culture. I think. It will be mentioned in our report now. A lot of people are already open to learning more about the Japanese culture, the Korean wave, and I think, yeah. So I, that's what I think. Anyone else? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, actually, we're gonna talk about the evolution of J-pop and K-wave here in the Philippines because it's as a personal observation as well. Uh. The, these two cultures is very prominent, especially today. Um, it's everywhere, like in Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can see anime posts, K-pop posts. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but I'm sure you did. Yeah, I've and seen it. For, for addition also, um, I think that the Philippines has been a widely multicultural nation. And the Philippines embraces many cultures that influence yeah. Philippines, whether it could be like food, the way they dress, or even their interest in pop culture. So that's my idea regarding about that. Yeah, yeah. Philippines has always been very open to foreign culture. That's history. Yeah, so it's something of a, a blessing or a curse at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, that's a good introduction for the for the next uh, topic that you'll be talking about. The the other uh, waves of media influenced by non non-US dominated cultures. In fact, if I could remember, the media present in the television when I was still very small was mainly on on Western media or not Japanese media. It's either anime or 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 Western media or local soap operas. That's basically the, the choices you can have on on television when I was still in elementary or something like that. Yeah, I remember also, sir, when I was young, my first anime was also English dubbed. So mm. I think that's how pro- um, that's how influential the web yes. is because they, um, the po- the popularity of anime I think started when the West also started to incorporate it in their media. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Like once it's it's dubbed in 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 English, it's. It's enjoyed not just by U.S. but also other places, especially in, in Asia, especially in in the Philippines. And then eventually, the Philippines started to dub their own animes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like yes. It really shows that uh, it's it's there's a lot of influences that the the West had in terms of influencing media because even the West can influence other people's media. That's, that's actually a very very interesting notion, right? So. There still is sort of a dominance in terms of dictating what culture should be relevant or what culture should be set aside, which is uh, 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 facilitated by the West. That's actually a very good, a good topic for a paper where, like, especially examining the 21st century media or sources of media, does the West still have a role to play in selecting which, which uh, uh, types or genres should be relevant? It's actually very interesting. Yeah, anyway, let... okay. Um, thank you so much, sir. Um, before we talk about the East Asian cultures, let's discuss about the Hollywood influences in the Philippines here, because it's the first ever major in um, major influential 
Okay, I don't know what to say. It's the first major um, cultural. It has the first major cultural impact here in the Philippines. Yeah, so, okay, Lau, can you talk about Hollywood? Thank you so much, Franz. Now, for the Hollywood, I think that it's very familiar to you, but we'll dip with. Uh, I mean, that we go deeper with. Um, Hollywood history in the Philippines. So from as early as 1960s, form of entertainment among the Filipinos. With the creation of many local stations such as ABS-CBN, the GMA Network, or TFC Internationals, International, Filipinos created a community and a standard for local television. In recent years, the local television genre of teleserie grew widely popular among all ages of the Filipino community. This style of television was influenced by the creation of, for example, the Spanish telenovela. Not only did foreign media influence local television, but um, foreign media also brought their successful shows to the Philippines. An example of this is the Hollywood movies, which has a huge influence on the Philippine motion picture because the films that they produce and methods of production are much more dominant back then. There are three reasons why we consider that it is dominant in the Philippines, simply because the works and interiors of Philippine films is controlled and inspired by Hollywood, Second, we have the American films dominated the Philippine movie theater and the 97% of the motion picture distributed in the country in 1926 was managed by American companies and it also has um, cultural impact. Number one, because the made of film production done by Filipinos or film companies came from Hollywood. Um, plots across different genres of Filipino films were evidently taken from or inspired by other Hollywood films. Um, which would I say that um, it is evident because we have examples, um, movies that are inspired by Hollywood. Like for example, Spider-Man. So before, we had a movie Gagamboy. And we also have American Pie movie. And then a Philippines inspired also with that one, um, Pinay Pai. And Transformers. So in the Philippines, we have Reseclo. And the last, which is very prominent also, is Wonder Woman. And in the Philippines, we have Darna. So not only to this, but also like, for example, show businesses in the Philippines and in Hollywood, they have also shared similarities. And some local actors even try to imitate, uh, I mean, imitate some famous celebrities. So the Philippine film industry has still a lot to break out of Hollywood influence for as long as the country is not really obsessed with um, American movies. And lastly, we have also music. So the Filipino are deservedly famous for the quality of their musicians and their love for music, which influence in music can be seen as the early Spanish colonization. So with the introduction of string and percussion instrument in the Philippines. So however, it is America that has the that has made the biggest impact in the way Filipinos have developed their culture in music. So the integration of English culture had allowed Filipinos to understand as well as to appreciate Western culture even more in its music. Populars are like, 
is. For example, North American mus- musicians and bands such as Lady Gaga and Britney Spears that have come major icons and inspirations to many young Filipinos in today's culture. For example, sa mga video kihan, so mojo nakasagaran like ilang music play. And in the early 2000s, as the United States had their transitions through the passing of different genres, these transitions and changes in the industry also reflected the Philippines. For example, when young rock bands such as Green Day or Simple Plan or even Blink-182 became popular, many OP- OPM or our what we called original Pinoy music rock bands emerged with similar sounding music such as Bamboo, River Maya and Mayonnaise with such a heavy influence from United States and the Western music that became popular in the Philippines. Local artists as of this time have suffered to build their own reputations as musicians because the radio stations would play the greatest hits in United States rather than featuring our local talents. And fortunately, the growth to become a leading genre in the Philippines and OPM found their way into the charts. Into the charts. So we have also um implications on that um, for assimilation uh, for homogenization of films and music why it is homogenized because um, assimilation of american culture has eroded um, domestic industry and national media and simply because when we talk about like for example homogenization it's more um represented of the structural level like there are more physical McDonald's buildings like credit cards, shopping malls, and etc. While heterogenization is more represented of the symbolic level, which I think for me, and the ways in which, like for example, hamburgers are eaten, our TV shows are undersued, and so forth. And I think that would be all for the Hollywood movies. So next. Is oh, uh, I think before we should continue, we should like talk about the how we should define or differentiate no uh homogenization and heterogenization of cultures for our viewers in case they might uh not heard of these terms yet while they're listening to the podcast. So can anyone right. define what these two yes, things are? For the basic term terminologies of homogenization, when we talk about homogenization homogenous society, it is centered on the concept of a single cultural standard. So it results to a breakdown of cultural barriers and global assimilation of a single culture. And when we talk about heterogeneous society, it applies the concept of a multicultural society which we say that cultural heterogenization or multicultural society means that region culture was widely disseminated and it's accepted by other societies and cultures and meanwhile enhanced the cultural diversity in local society. So that how this um, basic termino- terminology differs with Oh yeah, so they were also cited by Jennings in 2010 and costa by 1995 so yeah all right that's a good that's a good distinction between the two so like when we talk about homogenization it's mainly on on one culture trying to 
to assimilate their cultures in, in their, for their own benefit. While when you talk about heterogenization, it's more like uh, adapting these dominating cultures and how they how they are into yeah. yes. modern society. A good example you've given is like how McDonald's was all over the world, but in terms of individual or country-based McDonald's, we have our different choices. We have rice. Yeah, we have rice. A good example. Of that. <laughs> yes, yes. We're Filipinos. <laughs> so when you go to India, McDonald's do not have beef also because uh, a lot of Indians will be angry at that and then there will be there were I don't yeah yeah I'm not sure but all I know is that uh, McDonald's in India should not have beef otherwise they cannot operate yeah. yeah a good a good example to, to distinguish between the two all right so yeah oh, okay sir can continue okay so for the next part so we've talked about Hollywood what other what other sources of cool time we're going to move on to Asian domination Asian especially domination. Japanese and Korean so okay I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with the Japanese pop culture now um, as I said before one of the biggest cultural influences in the Philippines is Japanese pop but before I talk about its cultural impacts I'll discuss a quick historical overview about it the first successful Japanese animation, or is what we call it anime, is Astro Boy. I'm sure most of you guys, if not everyone, has heard or came across the show called Astro Boy. Um, have yes. you guys? <laughs> yeah. Yes. However, the first, the first anime broadcasted here in the Philippines is Voltes 5. Yes, but Voltes due 5. to yeah. political reasons, <laughs> it was banned. <laughs> during. Yeah, yeah, and it was banned, no, sir, during especially Marcus' administration. Yeah, uh, yeah, during the censorship era, it was one of the. That's why it's very relevant in the Philippines. When you go to Japan, they they don't really know a lot about Voltes Five. When you talk about, uh, in in comparison to other, uh, robot-based anime, they would they would know Astro Boy. But if you if you tell them if you they know, uh, Voltes Five, I think. The newer generations would not know about that, but if you talk yeah. to Filipinos, newer and older generations could still know about Voltes Five, and I think a lot of it is because of how it was censored during the Marcos's time. That it gave the sensation that if this was censored, this means that this this should be a very good uh, type of medium, and you know how how things become trendy once they are where they they're they're turned illegal or something like that. Yeah, it was very political also. Like it talked yeah. about um overthrowing the government, I think, yes. if I can remember. It's a good uh it's a good <laughs> um metaphor or representation of Yeah, that was the, it was bad or censored during Marcus's time. Um yeah. anyway, the reason as to why anime was normalized here in the Philippines in the first place is that during that time, importing Japanese media was actually cheaper than producing our own films. This was around the 1960s. And, um, hold on. This is according to a research entitled Japanese Cultural Influence in the Philippines Through Anime's Popularity and Pervasiveness by Miss Bernadette Kennedy Bravo from Waseda University, Japan. 
And then Japan then decided to outsource cheap animation production labor in Asia, which led to the beginnings of the Toei Animation Philippines Incorporated last 1986. And here we are right now in 2020, where everyone has at least consumed a Japanese media. Like little do we know, you've see you've already seen the Japanese media like Pokemon, Doraemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, um, what else? Sailor Moon. Like people do not are not. That aware that these shows came from Japan, but yeah, they've loved it. And so, fast forward to 2020 to 2004. I'm sorry. Japan even now has a council on the promotion of cultural diplomacy, since you know J-pop is has become global. What about you, Mr. Lanas? Do you partake in the Japanese pop culture? Uh, particularly on J-pop music, I I've no, had my like anime. Oh. Yeah, anime culture. <laughs> uh, I've had my share of animes. In fact, I'm not a regular viewer of it. But if I, uh, I am usually that viewer that looks for animes that are not trending. Like mm. it's, it's mainly one season, two season animes that did not really reach the media because I think it's a, it's it's like finding treasure amongst other existing treasures because. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of that type of consumer in terms of uh, Japanese media. So like the yeah. last one I enjoyed that was very short was uh, Gate, the anime called Gate. I I don't know if you're familiar with it. No, I haven't heard of that yet. You haven't heard of it. It's more like uh, it's like at uh, uh, a medieval world and the modern day Japan uh, was connected by one gate and then. Uh, Japan invaded that world, but it's I like it because it's uh, it's it's really like IR where where Japan is trying to become a, a superpower in that world, and and how it tries to become a hegemon is through through giving them an image that Japan does not really invade, but rather it helps it helps these countries or these uh, medieval civilizations to become better. So that's basically just like how that's basically a, a, an introduction to to imperialism where. In order to imperialize, you must. Uh, one of the uh, ethical uh, dr- driving goals is to is to say that we want the world to be like us, how we have progressed. So, in order for them to be like us, we must, of course, invade them and tell them that this is the way to live. It's that, that's actually a, a good premise or a good a good introduction for how invasion starts. And then you get to see the other perspectives. Of the the ones who are being invaded and how they viewed these Japanese military in terms of in terms of of their influence. So it's it's not really a, a good thing for them, but rather it's a it's a life or death situation. So they're, they're good. It's something political. And it's actually very short. So I don't think it's complicated. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good introduction of the last. To add on to add on that, sir, anime anime was used actually um, to fight against American propaganda during the time. Yeah, so it's no wonder that there are anime that, are, that is very political. Very po- political. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the cultural impacts of J-pop to the Philippines. By the way, when we say J-pop, it does not only cater to music, but also anime, manga, and the like. So primarily, so Japanese, uh, yes? I'm sorry if I would interject. So primarily, when we talk about J-pop, what is it? what is its primary or driving medium so is it on anime yeah anime anime oh, okay mm. so like in, in the case of k-pop it's basically more on korean pop music yeah 
Okay, thank, thank you, you for so much. Thank you so much, sir. Um, Japanese pop culture has both homogenization and heterogenization effects. As for homogenization, first let's talk about Japanese comics and animation, or as what we call it, anime, I mean manga and anime. Um, anime can only apply to Japanese animated cartoons and should not be only mistaken for manga or Japanese comics or comic strips. I'm just going to um, introduce that in case some of our listeners are not familiar with anime and manga. Well, manga may also refer to both animation and comics in Japanese usage. As most manga stories are translated into animated characteristics, the use of manga as a concept in the study is limited to comics to avoid misunderstanding. Anime phenomenon or anime boom is defined here as the popularity and pervasiveness of anime in a particular non-Japanese setting, such as the Philippines. It also denotes the rise of anime from obscurity into the local mainstream. Now, how did this impact Filipino culture? Um, currently, we have at least two Filipino comics that incorporate manga art style, namely Culture Crash, which is a... Uh, anime-inspired Filipino comic book that incorporates manga art style. Well, Funny Comics is the oldest-running comic book publication for children in the Philippine history. It also began to adapt manga art art style drawing to appeal to more readers. Uh, Also, I don't know if you guys came across this, but when I was younger, I um, I actually saw a book that illustrated the story of the Bible using the manga art style. Have you guys seen that? Yeah, I have that actually. <laughs> Weeb. <laughs> yeah, so like that's how prominent, that's how influential Jap. Yes, sir, are you saying something? Your mic is on. Oh, uh, no. It's- <laughs> okay, sorry. It's my mic. Oh, I heard something. I'm so sorry. Um, that's how influential Japanese pop culture really is because we even have a book that illustrates the Bible itself using their art style. And also yesterday morning, I also came across an anime entitled Barangay 143. Like it was on Netflix and you know how Netflix just plays the trailer automatically. And so I just let it be. And at first it was so quiet. They were just moving around and I was so shocked as the moment they spoke, they were, they, it was, it was Filipino language, and I was like, okay, we, ha- we actually have an, a Filipino anime here now in the Philippines. So, yes, we, um, the Filipinos have actually adapted. I mean, the Filipinos, yeah, yeah, the Filipinos have adopted these culture, and because there is, Japanese dom- there is Japanese domination here in the Philippines. And another homogenization also, effect also is the Japanese pop in the is the rising of Nihongo as a second language here in the Philippines. In Miss Bravo's Japanese cultural influence in the Philippines through anime's popularity and pervasiveness, she discusses how, um, how prominent Japanese as a second language is here in the Philippines. There were many causes as to why Filipinos want to learn Japanese, but the top three is actually anime. Employment and cultural awareness are the other two. I'm also guilty of this because um, the first thing that the first factor that I wanted to learn Japanese culture and their language is actually anime. Now this time, let's discuss the heterogenization effect of J-pop. Ever since anime became a major media, anime interest groups were created. 
they gathered together until it became as to what we call now as convention. A world, a world Cosplay Summit, or WCS, is held every year in Nagoya, Japan, where several countries participate in cosplay competitions. Yes, that's how powerful Japanese media is, where it's where their conventions has become global. People cosplay their favorite anime or cartoon characters. The popularity of cosplay in Japan can be attributed primarily for their love for anime and manga. In the context of the Philippines, Filipinos have their own version of their summits too. Filipino anime interest groups started to imitate Japan, and so they made their own convention. But not really fully like Japan, but a local one at that. Utaku Fest is held annually every February, managed by UP Cebu. When we talk about Utaku Fest, it is a two-day festival and convention that celebrates anime, animation, manga, cosplay, video games, comics, pop culture, and the like. It celebrates otaku culture technically. That's what it. Uh, that's what it is about. But as time progresses, it opened to newer Asian culture, most especially Korean and their pop culture. Otaku Fest has become more diverse now, but it still utilizes J-pop roots, most especially cosplaying, art exhibits, and the like. Filipinos created a new practice, <clears throat> I'm so sorry, or culture at this point, out of Japanese influence. Um, I'm sure some of you guys, especially those who are anime enthusiasts, has at least attended um, a convention in their life. Speaking of newer culture, Filipinos also have a new product out of Japanese media. Have you guys heard of Hero TV? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tracy mentioned it earlier. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Tracy mentioned that. It is a channel dedicated for Filipino dubbed anime. Actually, this is a very personal thing for me because I also had a Tagalog dubbed anime phase where my first anime was Code Geass and Shakuganishana. And um, so this is heterogenization because it is Japanese media. However, because of the because of the um, how powerful Japanese media is here in the Philippines, Filipinos have actually started to to um to adopt this and turn it into their own, which are Tagalog dubbed anime and also the Barangay One Four Three. Although that is homogenization because it is um. Yeah. So to conclude our Japanese segment, I'm going to finish with a trivia. The first karaoke machine was invented by Daisuke Inoue, a Japanese musician, last 1971. Later on, Roberto Del Rosario, a Filipino inventor, developed the karaoke sing-along system in 1975. Fast forward, karaoke became Philippines and Japan's favorite hobby or pastime. So if you guys have seen... Uh, we Filipinos know actually that karaoke is our favorite pastime. But if you guys have seen Japanese films, um, most of their hangout time is actually going to karaoke. I've also um, interacted with a lot of Japanese lately because of my part-time job. And when I ask about their hobbies, it's mostly like hanging out at karaoke bars. So yeah, so shout out to all the Filipinos and Japanese out there because we brought karaoke to the world. So yeah, that's it for my Japanese segment. All right, so th thank you for sharing us that very interesting uh, homogenization and heterogenization influences of Japanese media. In fact, I, I was actually amazed why you considered that uh, 
the cosplay culture in the Philippines is mm-hmm. is primarily a heterogenization rather than a homogenization. Yeah, it's actually very. I'm very interested at how. I I actually originally believed that it's it's mainly a a homogenized form of culture where Japanese culture influenced Philippine no, culture. It, it actually originally came from yeah, Japan, Japan, but Filipinos have their own way to do it. So I'm I'm actually very interested of that. Although I cannot really assert my idea of it being homogenized because I'm not really familiar of the culture. But since you both, uh, you guys have a first-hand experience, I'm actually very interested in knowing more about that uh, otaku culture. In fact, I want to experience it for myself maybe in the future. I don't know. Yeah, you should attend the convention, sir. <laughs> yeah, maybe spectate, let's go, not really attend. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we, are, we still have one more. Uh, yeah, so. day, what we have to talk about. So yes. Okay, go crazy. <laughs> Actually, I'm very excited to um, share about this one because I am a very, an avid fan of the Korean Wave. So, Korean Wave is from South Korea. So, what is it really? So, the Korean Wave is popularly known as Hallyu. It's a rapid spread of Korean pop culture in the form of Korean drama, dance, music, as well as fan clubs for Korean stars. Hallyu brought South Korean culture to everyone who has access to television, movie houses, and internet. This developed further interest not merely for entertainment's sake, but also of the country, the people, and anything Korean. We can say that Hallyu is a product of globalization, has deliberately or inadvertently popularized Korean culture in various ways. And so for me, I've been a fan of the Korean wave ever since I was in fifth grade and this is actually this is very personal and until now I've been trying to learn their Korean language it's very hard it's not really that it's not easy to learn another language and yeah I think because of Tracy my... introduced yourself in Korean no please no <laughs> sir no it's just and ex- it's just an experience. I yeah. no, I'm very shy about it. So yeah. So how did the Korean wave reach the Philippines? So it was through Korean novellas, Korean dramas. So Korean novellas debuted in TV channels. The first one who showed a K drama was through the G through GMA. It was the successful story of a bright girl in the Philippines. But what gave an impact to the Filipinos about the whole Korean drama is Endless Love 1. I'm not really sure what kind of drama that is, but it's a 2000 South Korean romantic television drama that aired here in the country in 2003. Are you familiar with what, that? I haven't heard of like Endless One, Endless Love 1, 2, 3. Like, I'm actually surprised why you guys don't know about that. That's basically like the, the, really? the turning point of Korean culture in the Philippines. Like, Everybody was watching it. No, and this love as a series was like a Korean drama, but every part is a different, a different story. But it was it was very trending. I think I was uh, grade one to four in that in that period. Or I, think I wasn't in school yet that time, sir. So I don't know. Actually, it's a very interesting uh, a type of. Uh, maybe a story they have very interesting plots that filipinos really enjoyed in fact i think like it's because i'm not sure i'm i'm not really sure but the idea of 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 having uh, uh amnesia for for 
for making a story progress further is <laughs> is attributed to one of those episodes on Endless Love because like one of the characters had amnesia and then eventually most of the soap operas in the Philippines also had amnesia. Yeah. So, like, it's being overdone. <laughs> and a lot of it is caused by that certain Korean drama. I think it was the first or the second Endless Love. Well, I'm not mm-hmm. sure, but actually it's a very it's a very interesting K-drama. It it really shifted the the personal uh choices of Filipinos during that time because it was either because most of the middle-aged Filipinos were during that time watching uh nightly dramas were were local dramas or K-drama, uh Korean drama. So it's either the two and then K-dramas actually was uh and then eventually became popular and then started to surge every time so and then eventually gma had to put a segment mainly for korean dramas every month every two months or three months like that mm-hmm. really nice. because of endless stuff i would argue it's really because of it in the personal experience oh so after that I think after Endless Love, there's a lot of K-dramas that were shown here in the Philippines. Like, I'm th- I think you're very familiar with this, sir. Winter Sonata, Stairway to Heaven, yeah, and Lovers in Paris. Lovers in Paris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically my childhood because like, I had no choice of, of content in terms of television. So I had to watch all those Korean dramas <laughs> up, until, up until Jungkyung. After that, I... I, I, I like, after onwards it was mainly on the phones were started to to grow to develop so i had my own freedom in choosing the media so it, it did not really last long for me so only on the few stages of korean drama was i experiencing it but the later part wala na kayo. i think the first k drama that i watched was i think that i was really really head over heels for was voice over flowers Really, that story. Yeah, I watched it like twice or thrice (laughs) already. Yeah. So, contrary to the popularity of K dramas here in the Philippines, K pop wasn't much popular back then because Filipinos were limited to Korean drama soundtracks. But when the Noon Sandara Park, she was part of the Filipino talent show Star Circle Quest. In 2004, became part of the group 21, which debuted under the YG Entertainment in 2009. K-pop started to become popular in the Philippines because of their exciting music, extravagant music videos, and idols who are not only good in singing but also dancing, creating performances which inspired a lot of youth to post dance covers on the internet, which I am very guilty of. I did that when I was in grade school, so it's a very embarrassing past for me. So why is it embarrassing? Why would you no, consider because sure, she's no, lying to She also did that in high school. Shut up. I'm no, I... doing it right now, so that isn't embarrassing. <laughs> oh my gosh, like, when I think I of it, it's not K drama dance K pop dances on TikTok. I would wager. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, K pop began to flourish on the K- Philippine entertainment scene mid 2009 which was the rise of the new K pop Korean groups. All of the groups that I will be men- I will be mentioning is very popular. I'm not- I'm sure some of you are familiar with them. Super Junior, their song "Sorry Sorry," Girls Generation, um, Oh Red De- Run Devil Run, Twenty One, Big Bang, Two PM Beast, and a whole lot more. I'm very I I don't know. This was my whole childhood. I was very centered to their culture during that time. So. 
Um, the reason why the Korean wave is considered to have a massive impact in the cultural identity of Filipinos nowadays is because of a few res- reasons. So one is that Filipinos relate to Korean series and dramas. And according to the research by J.R. Igno and Maurice and Izo- Senidoza entitled Beyond the Fad, Understanding Hollywood in the Philippines, they said that people say that aside from the good-looking actors and actresses that brought charms of the series, the drama storyline is quite different in such a way that lead characters both died or what you mentioned a while ago, have amnesia, which is somewhat unusual for Filipinos who got used to happy endings. And I think I have a lot of dramas that I watch already. I'm not sure if you're familiar with The World of Married. No, and Hotel de Luna is Hotel de Luna is more of a fantasy kind genre of Guan and the whole world of marriage is like about um, a married couple and then she knew that he was cheating cheating on her with her whole friends or like whole all their friends know about it without telling her yeah that's yeah that's why so Next is the upbeat K-pop music. So aside from the re- usual reason that Filipinos like K-pop is because of, yeah, what I mentioned a while ago, the idols. Other reasons include most, I think mostly because of their performances, which attract fans to buy more products of Korea, which their, which their idols are endorsing or using. So yeah, I, as I mentioned, Korean products, fashion, and food is... We can notice that a lot of malls and commercial centers, there are a lot of Korean stores and restaurants that most Filipinos enjoy because because of what they see in K-dramas or in the K-culture that they get curious of what it is like or what it tastes like. So Korean fashion is also taken over the Philippines, which also is also due to, yeah, again, K-drama. Like, what I can remember is that Netflix drama Crash Landing of on you a lot of people really going crazy about it in facebook even my my titas and my titos so yeah moving on to the cultural impact of the korean wave here in the philippines if we think about how the philippines was homogenized by the korean culture again we think of k-beauty and k-food so k-beauty has its own fair share of popularity here in the country numerous products are being introduced to filipino consumers which they were attracted to and yes i think i think there are a lot of korean beauty products are that are sold here in the country and i i think i also have a few that i am using right now and and really yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't really. I don't really know what the brand, the brand is, but like it was just given to me. So yeah, and I know it's Korean. So next, I think the face shop is. Oh yeah, yeah, that Korean, one. Yeah, the face shop. I want that house. <laughs> you've mentioned earlier like the influences of K culture, right? But yes, uh, I'm more interested in how it turned something into heterogeneous. Uh, heterogeneous in our aspect is uh, it did we reach that point or are we still in the homogeneous yeah i'll mention it sir <laughs> Not yet. Oh, later. <laughs> yes okay. no i'm a, yeah so again as again i will be mentioning k food again this because i think this is one of the, how the philippines was homogenized with the korean culture mm-hmm. so it was aside from what they've shown in k dramas it was also introduced 
through mukbang are you familiar with that sir i know a lot yes. of are because it has been a thing on youtube because of it one of my pet peeves are we gotta do that too every night <laughs> oh my god you're right like why do you want to hear other people eat yes in fact, like, <laughs> i think it's not part of our culture to be loud and eating if, yeah i i've like, observed like those A- asmr mukbangs yeah like yeah in fact it's it's uh it's I think it's probably particular in my in my area only that eating with your mouth open is a taboo. And how much more if you put a, a directional microphone on your <laughs> mouth and then like yeah, especially when you <laughs> I really can't stand mukbangs and then I am really shocked at how the Filipinos are really enjoying this sort of uh, entertainment. Like why? <laughs> what happened? So I'm interested to know on on that culture. Yeah. So. Yes, we'll be moving to ha- the heterogenization in the Philippines. So the first one that I will be mentioning is how Filipinos remake Korean dramas. So the rise of Korean dramas here in the Philippines made a huge impact on Filipino teleseries as TV channels started their own rendition of Korean dramas such as Stairway to Heaven, Lovers in Paris, and Full House. I think this is all in GMA. That's hmm. what I knew. So yeah. And also P-pop groups. So in the rising uh, K-pop here in the Philippines, the presence of a pop group, P-pop group, that was managed by a Korean company, Show BT. SB19 was the first Filipino act trained by Korean entertainment. So I think this is because um, the entertainment scene here in the Philippines are more, more focused on the movies, the actors and the actresses, and like love teams. So I think there wasn't really much attention to like music groups because mostly groups here i don't know if you call it groups but in the music industry here in the philippines there are more to bands or that's I what argue, i know i would argue about that because one of the before k-pop there was actually a very influential dance singing group in the philippines and we call them sex bomb oh yeah uh, <laughs> okay i didn't think of that so yeah and they were actually booming in Southeast Asia too, like Ooh. they were actually to a certain extent influential. But I didn't, I did not know why they were not able to expand pretty much. So that's actually, that's actually a, a sad uh, reality. Maybe we could be the instead of K-pop, we could be the P-pop in the future if, if in a different <laughs> universe maybe because because of sex bomb. But uh, I don't really know. But it's actually good to note that we already had something like that before K-pop. <laughs> so yeah, I mentioned a while ago, um, SB19. So the members were chosen after a talent show edition in 2016. And the selected members underwent the same type of training pre- provided to K-pop idols attending classes that were... that What they described before was like exhausting, very difficult from voice and dance lessons to acting lessons personality and body conditioning and i don't know if this is similar to that experience but as what princella mentioned a while ago i also have my fair share of like um learning their dances because oh my gosh um this is (laughs) very a personal experience i haven't shared this to anyone in college and yeah i was part of a korean dance cover group here in yeah we joined a lot of like competitions here yeah in cebu yeah we won and we had a lot of 
more exposure to that culture here in Cebu. So, so go are you, you were actually part of flex. the competitive part of of that industry. Very interesting. Yeah. No, yeah, actually, sure. it's That's... very like like personal thing for me so like i'm quite shy about it and i think my mem- like the group i members i was with would really um slap me for this but yeah go a1 so anyways <laughs> that's flag <laughs> so, so yeah you have a group and all so like you're really a proper uh, uh how do you call those groups uh dance cover group dance cover, group, cover group, group? Ah, okay um, yeah you were we haven't... really a uh, fully full-fledged cover group today <laughs> yes <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so i guess that's all for the korean wave oh yeah i just realized that when we were doing our podcast but another homogenous homogenized product of these culture is tracy and i oh <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very, sir. like the way we talk about japanese and korean like well we're so attached yeah. to it you're not just talking about it but you're actually experiencing it uh, yeah, childhood uh, flashbacks. Homogenization. Yeah, it's what I am. Crazy, yeah. crazy is this like that. <laughs> it's part of your cultural identity, na. You're also yeah. having kanang sort of cultural niches, right? You're interacting with these groups who have the same interests as you guys. Do you do mm. that on social media? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I don't want to reveal my group because she has a cover group. And Franchella also has her, like her social media uh, groups. Yeah, my, my for, Otaku for friends. For Lawrence, I don't know about Lawrence because he left the talk already. So maybe we'll we'll ask him about that soon. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to reveal my whole life in this podcast. <laughs> it's so... Actually, we've heard about 90% of who you are right now in the podcast. So that oh rest gosh. 10% is Filipina. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, those are the three three main. I've chosen these. Uh, you've chosen. Uh, we've chosen these three topics because primarily these are one of the influential waves in the Philippines. Mm. Although there are others who tried to to penetrate the Philippine culture, but did not really transform into a hom- uh, heterogeneized uh, thing. Like for example, uh, like. The the Taiwan was it Taiwan? Bird Bird and Bird Bird what country? Yeah, it's Taiwan, I believe. And they're also oh, yeah. Thai Thai drama. They they became famous, but it did not really last that long. So it was just like, oh, this this is very popular. Let's watch this. And after that, it's it's gone. It, it did not really evolve into something else. Unlike unlike like Hollywood, yeah, it did not really create a cult following. I think there are still Meteor Garden cult followings right now. I'm not sure. <laughs> Like most of it would be our titas and our parents, siguro. But then, like, uh, it's not it's not as as imp- uh, this diffuse as Korean and Japanese and Hollywood uh, influences. That's why that's why there is a, there are also others. There are also other waves, but primarily we're focusing on these three that created an impact in the Philippines or something like that. So for now, what are do you, what other things do you want to add about? Oh, oh yeah. Um, is it okay, sir, to yeah. proceed? No, okay. We have a few minutes. Actually, we have exceeded the, the discussion. Yeah, yeah I noticed it's it interesting. Too, I'm so sorry, sir. But actually, we um, can. 
uh, stop yeah. here or you could conclude here since uh, it's just a short conclusion sir because uh, you actually talked about it when i asked you of um uh, part. Right. <laughs> uh, okay as but as you can observe all of the three cultural major influences came from first world countries Looking back to Mr. Leno's previous podcast, he talked about the four approaches of globalization. And one of the four is the world system approach, where there is a never-ending gap between the core and the peripheries. Multiple researchers claim pop culture is just another form of cultural imperialism from the first world. Relating to Joseph Nye's perspective of hard power and soft power, it confirms the idea that cultural imperialism is, as pow- is a powerful tool in influencing people, especially their cultural aspect. Pop culture may be just a quote-unquote attractive form of imperialism. However, um, globalization or pop culture is not entirely negative as it can also have its benefits, right Trace? Yeah, so yeah, I also think that global cultural approach can be applied in this topic since through globalization, we're able to acquire one global cultural experience in a, in a diverse society. Uh, the mentioned influences like Hollywood, Japanese culture, and Hallyu serves as a soft power, which uses material culture as an example of culture diplomacy. This movement of is as also is well supported by their government which resulted to programs funds supporting this cultural diplomacy through a lot of cultural partnership in- initiative programs so yeah i guess yeah. that's why it's <laughs> yeah at least in a diverse world at least we have something in common with other cultures so we have something to talk about with them i think that's one of the advantages of globalization most especially pop culture like um, I can talk about anime with Japanese, I think. <laughs> yes, that's it, sir. All right. So actually, that's one of the interesting views of culture itself, since we can never really dismiss uh, competing views. Whatever we view a phenomenon, there are always various views towards it. So that's a good thing and at the same time a bad thing because it, it creates conflict, but it also creates further research for that, for that uh, specific phenomenon. And... That, that really concludes our discussion today. This is a very interesting and very engaging discussion because we shared our personal experience about yeah, childhood, flashbacks. childhood flashbacks, about various uh, cultures that, that uh, integrated into the Philippine landscape. And we also tried to discuss its, its influences in our day-to-day lives, which actually it did influence us a lot, a lot. Because a lot, a lot like <laughs> other people became uh, started to create cover groups, <laughs> other people started to do cosplays. Do you cosplay, Franchella? Please say yes. <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't want to. I think she does. No, she does. She that, that long pause says a lot. <laughs> yeah, that long pause says not just regular, uh, not just like in a hobby, but actually a regular cosplay. I, I, no, sir, not just. <laughs> Such a, like hobby lang. Okay. Okay. Well, I will try to meet you at the next Otako Festival. <laughs> we'll be there, Tracy. So, we'll be joining. Yeah, sure. I'll be there with my cover group while you cosplay. <laughs> yeah, actually, Maybe sir, fun fact. Tracy was supposed to dance <laughs> in the last convention. Really? Yeah. With your cover group. <laughs> oh my god, Franz, I hate you. Also, this is actually all connected. Where are you just? <laughs> 
<laughs> look Asher, how that's why I'm, we're friends. Yeah. Look how we're trying to create a fusion between the <laughs> uh, cultural groups. So like we are integrating this into one uh, sort of culture. Very interesting. Anyway, so we don't really have a lot of time right now. I think we've covered an hour of discussing yeah. this. And this is very unfortunate for your classmates to listen. But anyway, we have talked about in detail uh, experiences of uh, homogenization and heterogenization in the Philippine landscape. So for this will be our discussion for this week. We will talk about what is homogenization and heterogenization, but I will not go in detail with the experiences. That will be yours to present. So so I will be posting this hopefully uh, tonight so that your classmates can listen. So before we end our topic, do you have anything else to add? Or to say? Shout out. Shout out. Okay. <laughs> they, um, hopefully, we're, we're, we're very sorry that this is a long podcast and stream the boys. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun, sir. So yeah. yeah she said very it. Fun. Fun. So I told you it's very Yeah, it was so fun. So anyway, we have to say goodbye. So thank you, Francella. Thank you, Tracy. And of course, thank you, Lawrence. Thank so you, I understand Anna. that his his internet connection is not as stable as ours because he's out of town. But he also gave a lot of talk about Hollywood culture media in terms of how it penetrated the Philippines. So thank you, everyone, for sharing me your time and your experience and expertise about uh, our individual waves of culture that impacted the Philippines. So... Uh, this has been Lenof, your host for today. And thank you, everyone. And have a great day. Stay safe and stay indoors. Bye-bye. Bye, sir. Bye. Bye.